Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Trained Up Leadership Podcast. My name is Adam Baus. I'm so excited that you're listening. This is episode one, so you haven't missed anything. You are all caught up. Now, what is the Trained Up Leadership Podcast? I'm speaking to leaders. That's you if you're listening to this. And I know the thing about leaders is that you want to keep learning and growing, but you're actually so busy doing the work that's right in front of you, you don't have the time to be able to dig into the books and read the articles you've been saving and seek out the latest insights and research on what makes leaders effective and healthy. I get it. You're overwhelmed. You've got a ton of things going on. So I'm going to do the work of reading and learning for you. Each week on the Trained Up Leadership Podcast, I'm going to bring you quick, helpful, and relevant lessons from the wide world of leadership development. I am already reading a ton of books, articles, and journals, and I figured why not share what I am learning with you? In each episode, I'm going to highlight a couple of recent articles or blog posts, other resources I've come across, even other podcasts. And I'm going to be drawing from leadership research, from leadership books. So I'm going to give you a quick summary of a few articles each episode, share some insightful quotes from the articles, and help you connect the information from these places to your own life and leadership. This is going to be practical, concise, and relevant, and it's all aimed at helping you be the healthy, effective leader that you want and need to be. And leaders come in all shapes and sizes. This is the good news. You serve in really diverse roles. So whether you're a senior pastor, a volunteer coordinator, or you're somewhere in between, and whether you're leading a church of 15 people at a church plant, or you have a multi-site with 10,000 people, I really think that this podcast is going to be a helpful resource for you. Each episode is only going to be about 10 to 15 minutes, so you'll be able to squeeze it in during your commute, when you're at the gym, uh, when you're doing dishes, or while you're mowing the yard. The point is we want it to be quick, we want it to be helpful, and we want it to have an impact. Now, who is Trained Up? If you haven't heard of Trained Up, that's the company I work for. I am the Director of Leadership Development, and we are all about helping ministry leaders build and lead healthy, effective teams. With Trained Up, it's a platform that allows you to have straightforward video-based training and development for your team, and the good news is is it works anywhere. Because one of the biggest challenges in training volunteers or even training staff is getting everybody in the same room at the same time to get consistent quality training and to have that in a scalable fashion so that you don't have to recreate the wheel every time you need to train somebody. So we have pre-built courses along with progress tracking, the ability to add in your own videos. And really the bottom line is, is that Trained Up is a simple solution for training, onboarding, and developing volunteers, leaders, and building healthy teams. That's what it's all about for us. Now, this podcast is an experiment. We're going to see what happens. But in the beginning, we're going to focus on sharing three articles every episode once a week to help you grow as a leader. In the future, we might include interviews. We might have reviews of resources, programs that you can be using to help develop your people on your team and in your church. But for now, let's stop explaining things and jump into the meat of episode one with our first article. Article one. This comes from the Harvard Business Review in the June 2017 edition. The article title is How You Define the Problem Determines Whether You Solve It. It's by Dr. Art Markman, who is the professor of psychology and marketing at the University of Texas at Austin. And this is essentially an article about problem definitions, defining the problem, and creativity. Let me start by reading the last sentence, last two sentences of this article. 
Quote, most of us have been looking in the wrong place for our creative insights. We ask people to think outside the box, but we should be asking people to find more descriptions of the box and see what causes us to remember. In this article, they walk through the reality that we have so much working memory in our teams. Each individual person has experiences and training. They have wisdom, they have insight, and they have ideas packed in their brain But it can be really challenging sometimes to unlock those memories, to unlock those lessons. And what what, uh, Dr. Markman here is saying is most important is from the outset, you are defining the problem in the way that is going to be most helpful for you. So he uses the example of Dyson vacuums and, and sort of talks about the background of how that sort of revolutionary breakthrough happened and that it wasn't just sort of hammering people for ideas, but that it was about redefining the problem, thinking about it in a new way. Here's another quote from the article. If you want to retrieve something from memory, you need to change the cue. If I ask you to think about salad, you can likely call to mind information about lettuce, tomatoes, and dressing, even though you were thinking about something else just a minute ago. When doing creative problem solving, the statement of the problem is cue to memory. That is what reaches into memory and draws out related information. So maybe you're really trying to figure out how do we change something in our ministry. Maybe there's a particular problem that you're trying to solve. Maybe it is how you do turnover between services. Maybe you're trying to figure out how do you get parents more engaged in what's going on inside of the youth ministry. Maybe you need more small group leaders. How are you defining that problem? Is it just a resource problem? Hey, we need more people. Well, that's going to lead to more turnover. That's going to lead to ineffective leaders. You need to redefine the problem. Think about how you can tell a story about the problem you're trying to solve. Not just what's the sort of functional reality of what's going on, A plus B equals C, but think about who are you trying to connect? Why does this matter? What will life look like after you solve this problem? Redefine the problem and you'll find new solutions. You'll tap into different parts of your people. You'll find new opportunities to innovate and create. And you will be solving the problem that you actually want to solve and not just the problem that's easy to solve. Uh, I used to work for a guy named Bobby and he always said that thinking outside of the box, he as soon as he heard that phrase, he knew the next idea was going to be stupid. Uh, And he means that kindly, but the reality is, is that we need our boxes. We need the constraint because that's what forces creativity. You don't actually have an unlimited budget. You don't actually have a staff of 5,000 people. But if you recognize, I've got $100, I've got two people to solve this problem, working within those constraints forces you to define what's the problem we're trying to solve. And defining it in different ways will take you down different paths. So the question is, How are you defining your problem today? All right, article number two. This comes from a business, an organization called Know Your Company. And this is a great organization that I've been following for several years. And their CEO, Claire Liu, is consistently putting out some fantastic articles. She had a blog post up just a couple of weeks ago. The title of it, which you can find on their blog, knowyourcompany.com, the title of the article is How to Have an Honest One-on-One with an Employee. Something I wrote recently about through Trained Up was this idea of the art of one-on-one leadership. It's something that even the most seasoned, most experienced, uh, most confident leader can really struggle with is relating one-to-one, getting honest feedback, having honest conversation, connecting in a meaningful way one-on-one with their team members. 
So Claire walks through and gives us six ways to get employees to talk about what they really feel and not what they think you want to hear from them. I'm not going to talk through all six points, but their first, the first point that Claire makes I think is so critical. Her first point is make empathy your mission. And I think this is so often overlooked. She says, every time I have a one-on-one, I have a single mission to understand how the other person is feeling. Everything else comes second. I don't use the time to focus on critiquing an employee's performance, nor do I use the time to get a status update on a project. A one-on-one is invaluable, sacred time to uncover the truth of how an employee is actually feeling. I think this is so true. We're often troubleshooting. We're trying to multitask. We're trying to get more than one thing done at a time. But if you want to have healthy, engaged people who trust you, who confide in you, and have meaningful relationship with you, doesn't mean they're your best friend, doesn't mean they're divulging all of their secrets, but it means that they're able to honestly tell you what they think about how your company is doing, how your leadership is impacting things, and what the team needs to focus on in the future. Because honestly, it is so easy for anyone to say what they think the leader wants to hear because we want to be helpful. We want to be, we want to uh, do things that have a positive impact. And saying something hard or negative or a critical piece of feedback to our boss can be really challenging because we're not sure how it's going to be received. But what Claire says is that empathy is the mission. She says another example. This is what she would say to a person one-on-one. Today is for me to listen and truly understand where you're feeling on things. That's it. This isn't a performance review or status report. This conversation is for me to understand what I can be doing to make this the best place you've ever worked. Honestly, I think there are a lot of leaders within the church who struggle with the last part of her sentence there. Understanding what I can be doing to make this the best place you've ever worked. The reality is, is that if you work at a church, the church is your community, it's your spiritual base, it's your connection and relationship to other believers, it's your job, and it's your calling. It's so many things wrapped up in one, but it's so easy for church leaders to overlook the fact that it is the place where somebody works, that it is their job. And if you are the senior pastor, if you have direct reports, part of your job is to help them love and thrive in the environment that you're creating. So when you are making empathy your mission, not only is it about helping people be honest about what they think and feel and describing what they see, it's also about creating an environment where they love to come to, where they can come and do their best work to be their truest, most authentic self and give everything they've got to the mission and the vision behind your community. Okay, article number three, last one. This is actually from an academic journal, so uh, I saved the best for last, right? Uh, This is an article titled, An Analysis of Emotional Intelligence Training and Pastoral Job Satisfaction. Sounds dry and boring, I get it. But there's this one little nugget tucked in here that I think is just both fascinating and mind-blowing. There's a piece in here where they had interviewed 20 pastors, so not a massive, uh, not a massive sample size here, but I think there's something in here that rings true to me, and my gosh, we have to pay attention to this. It says, of the 20 pastors interviewed, two pastors, only two pastors, stated that they were well-prepared while in school to address the intense conflicts that are a part of ministerial work. Three pastors made a point to recommend that conflict management should become a part of curriculum in Bible colleges and seminaries. Here's, here's the kicker. Six pastors stated that they preferred to avoid conflict altogether because they disliked it so intensely. 
all 20 of the interviewed pastors reported that they are regularly presented with conflict with their parishioners and subordinates. So here's what I see when I read this. Every single pastor says, I have to deal with conflict with both people that I'm leading on my team, my staff, my volunteers, and with the people who actually attend my church, the community, the parishioners, the congregants. But only, but only two of them, 10%, said they were adequately prepared in their training and education in school to deal with that kind of conflict. And six of the 20 pastors, 30%, a full 30%, said that not only did they dislike it so intensely, but they actually avoid conflict altogether. 30% of pastors just don't do it. I don't even know what to do with that information. 30% of pastors, now let me be clear, I'm not judging them, I get it. Conflict is hard, it's messy, and especially as the leader, because you are responsible for the culture, you are the one who's overseeing the community, and everything just comes back to you over and over again. I get all of that. So there's no judgment in this. But when you have 30% of pastors who effectively say, I just walk away when conflict shows up, well, that conflict is never going to get resolved. You're constantly going to have people in conflict. Whether they're on your team or in your congregation, that is not healthy. How can people continue to grow, to thrive, to connect and relate to one another and to God if their leader says, man, conflict, it's too hard, I'm just going to walk away. That gets replicated over and over again so that problems get ignored, systems break down, relationships suffer. This is a big deal. Now, this is an article from 2013 in the Journal of Pastoral Care and Counseling. Uh, most people aren't going to read this article. They're not going to see this stat, but I'm shouting it from the hilltop, starting with this podcast today, because pastors have to figure out how to manage conflict, not only for the sake of their staff, because as I said with the last article, we've got to figure out how to make our work environments for our staff healthy, thriving environments where we can be our full and authentic selves, contributing everything we have to the vision and mission of the church. But in our churches themselves, in the community, when you have people who are believers, when you have new believers, when you have people walking your doors who have questions and don't know where they stand on the question of Jesus, if you're unable to deal with conflict, which shows up in a thousand varieties, that tells them that this is not going to be a healthy or safe place. That makes a difference. That has impacts that we can't really pin down. I can, I can promise you this, that if you're avoiding conflict, and again, I understand it, I get it, it's so much easier to walk away. But if we avoid conflict, we are, we are ensuring chaos in the hearts and in the minds of the people that we engage with on a daily basis, in our family, in our teams, in our volunteers, in our small groups, and in our churches if we don't deal with conflict, there's no restoration. There's no reconciliation. There's no healing and there's no forgiveness. In the midst of conflict is where God shows up to bring that healing. And that is something that leaders, that pastors have to lead the way with. We have to model it and we have to figure out how to do it in healthy ways so that our people can see how it's done. Because if they don't see the leaders doing it, if they don't see the pastors doing it, they're not going to do it either. Or they're going to do it, they're going to do it in really unhealthy ways. So we have to figure out how to handle this. We have to figure out how to do conflict management, how to confront that conflict better ourselves. But we also have to figure out how to teach other people to do it in ways that are safe and sustainable 
and progressively wider reaching, going out beyond just our own personal lives, but in the lives of the community, the congregation, in our cities, our states, our nation, and in the world. Thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully you found some insights here and you found some things interesting. You didn't have to spend the time reading these articles. I did that for you, but I broke them down. Take this podcast, share it with people that you know and think might benefit from this. If you have an article that you would love to hear us talk about on the podcast, send it my way. Adam at trainedup.org is how you can contact me. And if you have any questions at all about trained up leadership development or creating healthy teams, I'd love to hear from you on that as well. Thanks again, and I will talk to you next week.